0: And welcome to Found in Translation, a weekly ish exploration of One Fellow's translation of the Christian scriptures, one chapter at a time. I'm Brandon Rhodes, and across the internet for me is the translator himself, Brandon Johnson. Hey, Brandon. Hey, Brandon. Very good to see you this fine evening. Yeah, how you are too. you?
1: Good. Coming in from a long day of counseling, ready to talk Greek wow talk greek to me baby but not but not speak greek so much nope nope just talk around it good very good
0: how about you i'm well i'm going on a bit of a prayer retreat this weekend and have been i've never really done much preparation beforehand but taking um like an alcohol break taking more of a social media fast and journaling more like it's just good it's almost like a short list of things i kind of want to be tend well to my soul anyway but it's more mm-hmm. preparatory for um a bit more of uh, a time apart so that's yeah. been really nice uh, i i should pretend to have a prayer retreat every weekend that way the the week <laughs> that's prior to it. right I have like my pooping yeah. group here, you know, like, yeah, it's, it's great. Uh, so that is the answer to the question of what are you drinking? Which is I'm just having tea tonight. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a real answer. It's a grown up beverage too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some sort of herbal herbal something. Yeah. How about you?
0: Yeah.
1: I got a martini tonight. Very good.
0: Oh, and you don't have any, uh, no olives, no onions. Nothing. No, I tend to
1: do the, well, what would be lemon peel would be the appropriate garnish for what I have here, but I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so no garnish. Good talk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I do really like the, the like most garnishes to me are, are just kind of extra, don't really do much. But a lemon peel and a martini actually really does add a, a like aroma element to it that changes the flavor. Yeah. I
0: like I like the olive at the end of a martini more at the end than during. Like I like the flavor it adds, but I really like having the martini soaked olive at the end.
1: hmm That's how I feel about Manhattan soaked cherries at the mm-hmm. end. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah.
0: Well, after that rousing conversation, let's see if we can outdo ourselves. I bet we can. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're, we're talking this week about Matthew chapter 25, just 25. We are caught in a bit of a bind with this chapter. There's not, there's not a lot of fodder uh, for conversation in this chapter, at least as far as translation goes. Some of the preceding decisions may show up here. But in terms of like our usual format of picking out four or five words, it's not as easy here. Now you usually we say, okay, let's loop in the next chapter. Here's the thing. Brandon, how many verses long is chapter twenty-six?
1: Seventy-five, I think. It's it's long. Yeah, yeah. Real long.
0: That's for those who don't normally pay attention, that's that's at least double what's usual. So, in, a, in addition to a few key ideas in 25, rather than looping in part of 26, we're going to take a bit of a scenic route to explore some more damn it, this word's been ruined now, but meta themes surrounding um, mm-hmm. Zuckerberg! Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, we want to hit on some of these more meta themes that are in Matthew generally, and in these chapters in particular. So, You know, first, let's do the usual run-through of noteworthy translations that we're going to cover this episode. We're going to cover, in 25, verse 1, unmarried girls. In 25, 2, we're going to cover short-sighted and four-sighted, with footnotes A and B. And then, all the way towards the end, verse 34, with footnote G— There's this language of praised versus blessed versus spoken well of. We're going to conclude on before we hit a a few of these bigger themes. So if you haven't had a chance to read Brandon's translation, please take your time and read through it. (laughs) If you only want to read the verses that these words are going to be in, don't worry, there's only three of them. Uh, And do check out the footnotes. Go ahead and give it a read. We'll be here. Welcome back, everybody. Let's jump into the very start of chapter 25. Brandon, would you mind just reading uh, verses 1 and 2? Sure. Or however far you feel like is appropriate to get a sense of this. Again, we're looking for the words unmarried, short-sighted, and foresight.
1: At that time, the divine reign will be like ten unmarried girls who brought their lamps and went out to meet the groom. Five of them were short-sighted, and five of them had foresight. The five short-sighted ones brought their lamps but did not bring extra fuel with them. The ones who had foresight brought flasks of oil, olive oil, with their lamps.
0: So one of the first words that we engaged in this project was uh, unmarried girls or unmarried Mm women. Back in, I think, chapter one, talking about Miriam. Um, And here it is again. So a little refresher, Mm -hmm. maybe?
1: yeah what often is here is virgins 10 virgins and as we talked about all those many chapters ago uh it could conceivably mean that but what it really means is like a teenage girl who's not yet married like it's 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 the equivalent of mademoiselle versus madame in in french it's uh, like equivalent to the english word maiden which is now outdated outdated but it's that's what that means it's a girl mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, as opposed to a woman as opposed to someone who's married it's a miss instead of a missus um and yes that often means not having sex but not not necessarily that's not what the word means that's not the definition of the word here mm-hmm. as we talked about before that makes it a lot less creepy for one
0: yeah it the story is weird it's like well that's that's fine that they haven't had sex but jesus what's that got to do with anything (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: or that it's like there's
0: a cat a category of you can categorize women based on whether or not they have been penetrated And that's like the first way Jesus wants to categorize these women is whether or not they've had sex.
1: Right. Which is weird. (laughs) It's, and as far as we get to, this is only applies to women. We can categorize them as having had sex or not having had sex. It is better this way, but it's still not like, there's not a word for an unmarried man versus a married man. Why is it only women? I mean, I think in the Greek though, like, Oh, and 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 do you like really talk about bachelors? A, like I don't know. It's it's just a it's a weird it's double standard. Yeah, they're just I think the significance for this story here is not necessarily even specifically that they're not married. Um, it's it's kind of like their role in the wedding. It, it's like they're the bridesmaids basically, you know, and that probably doesn't look exactly like American. Traditions and what bridesmaids and groomsmen and like the way but something closer to that is what's in view here.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, how does how does unmarried girls even like? Why does that detail even matter to
1: this story as you read it? I, I'm guessing it really is about because it's a story about a wedding, and that's just like yeah, this is this is the the specific group of people. And I don't I don't actually know that much about. Wedding ceremonies at this time, so I'm not sure what's involved, but I'm Mm -hmm. I'm guessing the audience did, and Jesus did, and that made sense. Yeah.
0: So yeah, at a wedding, the status of some people's some people's marital status may have some effect on it. It would be, Mm -hmm. and maybe even in that culture, virginity would have had something to would have meant something, but in ours, it's like, well, if we can take a more literal translation of the Greek as you've done. Mm -hmm. And D creep it Uh and D I mean, unfortunately, like, you know, Jesus using this language, he's. He's not patriarchal, he lives in a patriarchal culture like we do, but at least we can make sure the translation isn't feeding um, patriarchal taxonomy of femme people, you know,
1: right. Yeah, what just just struck me is that while the kind of social status is mentioned here, they all share the same status and what ends up setting them apart from each other is something about how they're living, how they're responding to circumstances, not about some innate quality about them, um, which really fits really well with with Matthew and what Jesus has been saying through this whole thing.
0: So continuing on to how they get described, like there's a more plot relevant taxonomy uh, mm-hmm. for for these folks. Five of them were short-sighted and five of them had foresight.
1: Yeah. So let's look at those words a little bit. It was kind of fun to, to play with these. There's one other section where these two these words are paired um oh and that's back way back in the sermon on the mount but let me read the the footnotes a little bit here first and give some context yeah so yeah it's the, the same word that's translated as short-sighted in matthew seven twenty-six. another way to possibly translate it might be careless um and then the one that's has having foresight it's also translated that same way in seven verse 24 and another possible translation for that one could be like conscientious. So like short-sighted foresight, careless, cons- conscientious, which is hard for me to say. Uh, mindful, mindless. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Being mindful or not. Um, yeah. Thoughtful or not. Um, the same word shows up in the previous verse. Uh, for that one for the the having foresight of being conscientious Uh in chapter 24 verse 45 it's talking about one of the enslaved workers in a parable who is faithful and conscientious and the master has put him in charge over the household Uh, okay um so that that's that same word in the greek there
0: okay
1: yeah it's uh it's the house built on the sand versus house built on the rock so let me go back and read read that and compare it
0: yeah do that that's interesting
1: Mm -hmm. okay there's a lot of parallels here i'm gonna i'm gonna read this whole little paragraph it's not super long uh not everyone who calls me calls pleadingly to me, Lord will participate in the divine reign, but only whoever carries out the vision of my father who is in heaven. Someday many people will plead with me, Lord, didn't we prophesy by your authority and banish demons by your authority and do many powerful things by your authority? Then I'll say openly to them, get away from me. I don't know who you are. Your efforts have nothing to do with the Torah. Therefore Whoever hears the message I'm giving an ax on it will be like a person who has enough foresight to build their house on rock. The rain fell and there was a flood and a high wind blew and beat against their house and it didn't collapse because its foundation had been built on rock. And whoever hears the message I'm giving and does not act on it will be like a person who is short-sighted enough to build their house on sand." the rain fell and there was a flood and a high wind blew and beat against their house and it collapsed and it was totally demolished. What's interesting putting these verses in chapter 25 in their context is because the chapter 25 ends with comparisons about how do we tell who's genuinely been living as part of the divine reign been pleading with jesus or not yeah it's very similar kind of rhetoric but it gets into a lot more detail so those who are in he says you see i was hungry and you gave me something to eat i was thirsty and you gave me something to drink i was an immigrant and you welcomed me in i was naked and you gave me clothing i was sick and you cared for me and i was in prison and you came to me Hmm. and the people who are talking are confused and they ask him about it Um, and he says, honestly, I'm telling you as much as you did for one of these who are least respected yet are my family. You did for me. And then he says, and here's that get away from me language again. He says, then he will say to the ones on his left, get away from me. You who are denounced and into the age long fire prepared for the false accuser and his messengers. You see, I was hungry and you didn't give me anything to eat. I was thirsty and you didn't give me anything to drink. I was an immigrant and you didn't welcome me in. I was naked and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison and you didn't care for me. And then the same question, when did we do that? And he said, when you did it, didn't do any of those things for the people who are least respected. You didn't do it for me. Mm. So I think this, uh, this chapter 25 here, we, we talked when we're doing sermon on the Mount discussions how that kind of ends up serving as sort of a template, sort of a blueprint for the whole book of Matthew in a lot of ways. And I I think this chapter is kind of expanding on that part of Matthew seven in the Sermon on the Mount.
0: Yeah. There's certainly an echo that it's like Hmm. multi-layered. here.
1: In fact, this whole section of chapters 23 through 25 really parallels chapters five through seven in a lot of ways. Um, Mm
0: -hmm. yeah he's denouncing the the path of violence and pride in five through seven Mm -hmm. and here he's just giving image after image parable after parable Mm -hmm. of warning like if you don't go the way of active peacemaking and humility and a different kind of courage all going to come crashing down like you embrace violence there's not going to be one stone left mm-hmm. on top of the other at your favorite place yeah. what matters most to you will be
1: yeah i, I think, think that's a perfect segue into the the short-sighted and having foresight pieces
0: mm-hmm.
1: the pharisees and the bible scholars as are the audience here in 23 through 25 their goals at least their stated goals, probably even the goals that they believed they had for themselves are not bad. They want to not be oppressed by a foreign military occupation. Right. They want to obey scriptures. Uh, They, they have a lot of goals that are good goals And even on a personal level, they want security just like we all do. And that's, that's really what pursuit of like personal power and, and wealth Mm -hmm. and and resources Mm -hmm. is, it's just really out of balance, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so this discussion of short-sighted versus having foresight is the Pharisees are pursuing all of those goals in really short-sighted ways. Mm-hmm. We use violence, we use force, we use shame to make people fall in line to reach these goals right now because that's all we can think about is right now.
0: Mm-hmm. That's good.
1: And Jesus is saying, no, we need to have some foresight here. We need to think long-term, age-long term.
0: Yeah, yeah, there you go.
1: And heck even if I die that's okay because my goal is much much longer term than that and so having immediate relief from foreign oppressors immediate relief from anxiety about am I gonna have enough to be taking care of myself immediate relief from like hey people aren't following the rules what if God's mad at us like yeah that's that causes trouble. That causes problems. That that causes the exact hardship that they're thinking they're avoiding. Mm-hmm. And but the long term of selflessly seeking good for those who need it most, for those who are most often dismissed, um, really prioritizing things upside down from how everyone else does it. That's long term thinking, like yeah. eternal thinking Mm -hmm. and and i think that's what's in view here and with these particular words
0: like there's always a further horizon a bigger horizon it's not just this moment right now which i mean it's like that's not to downplay the suffering that they were going through like the Mm. romans were assholes they were lining up hundreds at a time of jews and crucifying them along the road Mm -hmm. Like that is some Game of Thrones, terror, horrible, horrible, horrible stuff that Jesus's people were right to call it this evil and problematic and wrong Mm -hmm. and long for liberation.
1: Jesus goal wasn't to beat the Romans because you can't truly beat the Romans with violence, you just become the Romans at that point.
0: Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Mm-hmm. I heard it said.
1: So Jesus' goal was not to beat the Romans. Jesus' goal mm-hmm. was to promote life. Yes. A, a world in, that was designed to produce and flourish life at its most for everybody.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: When it's about competition, somebody has to lose, and that's not the kingdom of heaven. That's not the divine no. reign. That's not jubilee. It's only... No, the trajectory- yeah. yeah, it's only if everybody benefits. Preach.
0: Yeah, like if the long arc of history bends towards divine union, individually, corporately, cosmically, you don't find divine... You don't find union with the divine that jesus knows and calls abba through violence because abba is not violence god is not violent. that is god will bear with and suffer with and as as part of the that's what it means for god to be god not just oh well i'll blow up the bad guys like we want the bad guys to cease being behaving badly to use the moral binary language here. Um, yeah.
1: One of the things that I saw somewhere and it might've been a Merton quote, maybe not. I don't remember. Uh, it was essentially. I don't remember the wording, but it's like God destroys his enemies by making them his friends.
0: I like it. Yeah. That's got some like, mm-hmm romans 12 and 13 energy to it it's yeah that's good
1: yeah which requires holding boundaries and calling out violence which is exactly mm-hmm. what jesus is doing here in chapter 25 yep. Um, yep, yep Yep. so it's not just like well live and let live you know yeah was- <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: well let's jump down to verse 34 uh, it's got footnote g for those swiping around to find it
1: Could you tee us up? Then the king will say to the ones on his right, come you who are praised by my father, inherit the reign that was prepared for you from the founding of the world.
0: Yeah, so what's up with the word praised?
1: Yeah, so there's there's a couple of different words that can be in different places translated as praised. Um, Mm -hmm. This one is traditionally translated as blessed rather than praised. But it's a different word, and I think we've touched on this before when we we're talking about the the loaves and fishes chapters. Um, but so it's it's that word again, not sermon on the mount, gratified,
0: uh, mm-hmm. the
1: recipients of something good, uh, language um, where you're grateful for it. Um, this is you like where we get eulogy. It's oh it's compound word you is the word for good or well and logo like logos like word or speech uh lo- lego to speak uh you're literally like speaking well over someone
0: yeah like uh you angelion like the the gospel as
1: well yes and there's a couple extra letters in there like angelion is a, a word that is being transmitted um so it's like three pieces to it. Yeah. Hmm. So what makes this interesting is that this is not about you who are like given good things. It's like you who are blessed in the sense of you who are spoken well of, but not just, um, I really like those guys. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's yeah. also like a well-wishing like that. That might be another way appropriate way to translate it like speak well of or wish well um Mm, if you think mm. a blessing like you might have a priest or an elder or somebody like put their hands on an object or a child or a person and like wish pray over it like hoping for good things like that's the kind of blessing we're talking here, here or even before you eat like (laughs) <laughs> Thank you, God, for like you know that that kind of a blessing. Um, yeah, not not the thing that like God is making, giving you lots of money or something. Like sales did yeah. well this week. I'm it's, blessed. Hashtag know. blessed. Yeah, that's not yeah. it. That's not what you're getting. Yeah. At. Like, and
0: come, you who are fist bumped by my father, like
1: right? Yeah, no. Like, go, there's go and kick. there's a um, an affirmation to it. A, um, it's like when like you have my blessing it's like I you have my approval kind of a piece hmm. to it all, all of those things are kind of intertwined and you probably lean more on what one or another based on context um sure but that's kind of the world that, that this word lives in and what's interesting to me about the placement here specifically is that it talks about those who have been prepared from the founding of the world and it's talking about if you go back a couple of verses, this is all the people groups, all nations, like every every group of all humans everywhere will be gathered in his presence. And then fast forward, uh. he's speaking to them, to at least some of them, like, but not by group. It's like within each group, there are some on the left, some on the right. You who are praised by my father prepared before the founding of the world and it makes me think of genesis mm-hmm. it's the same greek word in the greek translation of genesis in the septuagint oh where god makes a promise to abraham
0: aha uh-huh. like uh through you i will bless the nations i will
1: mm-hmm. which i would translate as people groups like i will bless all yeah. the people groups that's mm-hmm. mm-hmm. the same greek words there huh
0: yeah, there's, so there's a. It's reasonable to assume that the original audience would have caught on a little bit of the echo there, like, "Hey, what? One of our mm-hmm. core stories, one of our origin stories, like the father of our faith and our people, the person who first heard God, the story where it's laid out broadly that this is going to have a happy ending." So far, it's God made everything cool, but shit got complicated. And like these peoples and structures that are intended to bring order, harmony and moreness and betterness and more life, more Shalom, more Tov, it's all rupturing and falling apart. There's these like cascading concentric crises and in comes the story of Abraham and God, he has these like kind of psychedelic visions of God. He has these like mystical encounters where he hears God say, everybody's gonna be blessed. Like the world's gonna be turned right side up. Uh, there'll be a happy ending. There'll be, and it's not just for you and your descendants. It's gonna be through you and your descendants that um, the climax of the story will emerge The solution to the problem will emerge through you. But the the way of describing the end is not, and you guys will kick everyone's ass. Don't Mm -mm. worry, Abraham. I know everything is falling apart, but you'll win. The the but is, but everyone wins. Through Mm -hmm. you, the nation's just all of this fractured humanity will find vitality and divine embrace in some sense, whatever that meant or looked like in that culture. Mm -hmm. So to have a story about uh, told by a guy, Jesus who seems to believe that he is one, he is the descendant of Abraham through whom the climax will happen. Like he's carrying the payload of of that whole deep ancient story. And mm-hmm. he's calling in and using the same words in the story to say all the people will be praised, blessed. The the Greek word there is the same word.
1: Mm-hmm. Spoken well of.
0: Spoke, yeah, will be spoken well of. And that doesn't seem too subtle.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, and it, it's, it's not
0: it's not on the nose either but
1: <laughs> yeah and it's not that the people on the right who are being included at in this are you're the ones who checked off the right doctrinal statement boxes you're the ones who attended worship services faithfully every week paid your tithe it's you you, you prayed not even every morning yeah yeah it's not even I mean this is of all people groups so it's not even the ones who made sure they became Jewish or you know following that became Christian uh it's those of you who give hungry people things to eat give thirsty people things to drink welcome immigrants give people who need clothes something to wear care for the sick visit prisoners
0: mm-hmm.
1: care for them that's how you get included on those who are sorted to the right, period. And that really makes me think about some of the process that I was going through here. As we're going through all of Matthew, I keep finding Hebrew Bible reference after Hebrew Bible reference after Hebrew Bible reference. And it's it's like, oh, wow. And some of them are direct quotes. And these few chapters here don't have a lot of like direct quotes, like a whole verse or a whole sentence being quoted. Uh, But like we just saw, there are specific single words or specific ideas that keep getting clustered in ways that feel really meaningful. Like this isn't a Genesis quote per se, but it's really hard for me to believe that Jesus didn't have Genesis in mind and Abraham and, and that story in mind here. Yes. Um, and that same thing felt really weighted. I don't know what, what the word weighted means there. It felt, there's, it felt like there has to be something here with this, the verse 35 and 36 that's, that's coming from Hebrew Bible somewhere. It just feels like I can feel it, you know?
0: Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Um, and there isn't a direct quote, but as I started flipping around doing searches for words in here and trying to figure out what, what am I looking for here? What am I sensing? Uh, It it led me to Isaiah, Mm -hmm. Um, which is not super surprising that you, you can find in a lot of sources. The fact that people know Jesus had a particular fondness for Isaiah Like that's, that's not a new idea. Yeah. But this led me to chapter 56 specifically. I'm going to pull it up in the new Jerusalem Bible because I really love what the Jerusalem Bible has done with Isaiah. So here's Isaiah 56 or at least part of it. Um, This is from the new Jerusalem Bible translation. Mm -hmm. Um, It says, thus says Yahweh, make fair judgment. Your concern act with justice For soon my salvation will come and my saving justice be manifest. Blessed is anyone who does this, anyone who clings to it, observing the Sabbath, not profaning it, and abstaining from every evil deed. No foreigner, immigrant, Mm -hmm. adhering to Yahweh should say, Yahweh will utterly exclude me from his people. No eunuch should say, look, I am a dried up tree. For Yahweh says this, to eunuchs who observe my Sabbaths and and choose to do my good pleasure and cling to my covenant, I shall give them in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I shall give them an everlasting name that will never be effaced. And as for foreigners who adhere to Yahweh to serve him, to love Yahweh's name and become his servants, all who observe the Sabbath, not profaning it and cling to my covenant, these I shall lead to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar from my house will be called a house of prayer for all peoples. You are who gathers the exiles of Israel declares. There are others. I shall gather besides those already gathered. Oh man.
0: <laughs> I do like that ending translation there. That's good.
1: Yeah. So foreigners and eunuchs, according to Torah, are not allowed inside the tabernacle or later the temple. And Isaiah prophesied that God says, actually, they're very welcome there because it's not about these physical things, these like innate differences of what like ethnicity or Ability, status, physical condition, gender. None of these things that are how people categorize people as better than or less than Mm -hmm. have anything to do with who's welcome in God's presence. Right. It's do you treat people well? (laughs) Do you feed the hungry? Give something to drink to the sick? Welcome the immigrant? Like, that's what makes the difference, not any of these other things. And I, so I got curious about Isaiah and those connections. Clearly, here, even as you know, again, not a direct quote, but the ideas are very there, and there's a lot of shared words um, that kind of tipped me off. And it's really throughout all of Isaiah, but there's a really concentrated set of connections in matthew 23 through 25 and isaiah about 49 or so to like 60 61 somewhere in there um and uh, and other parts of matthew kind of have a lot of connections there there's like just like trigger words like oh this is this is in my mind here oh that's in mind there Mm -hmm. um and it just happens over and over and over. Um, and and I discovered that by really wrestling with this section here of the hungry and the thirsty and the immigrants. And and like, there's got to be a connection. And so I started flipping through pages and different resources and trying to figure it out. I'm like, I see another connection. Oh, I see another one. Oh, it, it's, it's there. <laughs> <laughs> this is amazing. And I got excited. Um, and I probably I sent know. you a whole bunch of messages as I was experiencing it.
0: Um, yep, 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 that tracks
1: And, and so <laughs> what kind of started to, to like clarify me is clearly Isaiah is um, unfaithful and doesn't know his Bible and hmm. should be kicked out of the, the, the hmm. church, the synagogue the, uh, Because he's explicitly contradicting Torah In exactly the same ways that Jesus explicitly contradicts Torah. And just like Jesus in chapter five, it's not about trying to do away with Torah. It's about trying to clarify this was the heart of what Torah meant the whole time. Mm -hmm. And all of these other like little details that you're getting hung up on are not the point.
0: Yeah, they matter, but you should have not neglected the weightier matters of mercy Justice mm-hmm. and compassion. Keep keep too. measuring out your tithe and cumin and mints, but right, yeah. Go back to chapter twenty three. <laughs> straining yeah, out have a sense of have a sense of scale.
1: Yeah, straining out gnats and swallowing camels. That's it. Um, yeah. So now, forming how I understand Jesus's understanding and use of the Hebrew Scriptures as a whole throughout. Matthew and the other gospels um, is I get it now. Like there are different schools of thought in Jewish teaching at this time in history. And Jesus is clearly referencing some of those uh, in the Sermon on the Mount. He talks about the eye is the lamp of the body. And it's talking about greed. He didn't make that up. That's found in the Mishnah, some Jewish writings that predate Jesus. Um, you referenced one, I think was it last week um, about where mm-hmm. two or three are gathered. Um where Jesus changes it, but it's a clear reference.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so Jesus is, I'm i am sh- sure he had some original sayings, but the point is that his larger flow of thought is not coming out of nowhere. He is part of an ongoing tradition mm-hmm. and he's clarifying it. He's expanding it. He's central to our understanding of it, but it's, it's not just like, People didn't get it for 2000 years and all of a sudden they get, Jesus gets it and changes everything. It, it, yeah. There's a development that's happening along the way. And Isaiah is a central part of that development. Jesus is a teacher in the school of Isaiah. Yep. And that, that's not a, about a hierarchy thing. That's not putting Isaiah mm-hmm. over Jesus. It's just saying that's the tradition that Jesus grew up in and is expanding and sharing.
0: And because we've never, I don't know if we've ever said it quite this directly, but it it bears being blunt. You cannot separate Jesus from Judaism. No. He he was not a Christian. He was a Jew. He Mm -hmm. practiced Judaism. Now, he practiced it in some ways. He deconstructed and reconstructed in ways that deemed him an apostate by those within his tradition that's mm-hmm. how it that happens doesn't mean he's right or wrong it just means it happens <laughs> but there's been so many impulses over the last two millennia to say you know the god of the old testament was actually a like a demigod or a demiurge or a demon was a was a counter god um was the god of flesh and materiality and the real God, that, so it was the creator God, but the real God is the God of spirit and immateriality, or there's all kinds of different ways that they accent this contrast. It's very common these mm-hmm. days to contrast, you know, the God of like love and, and compassion in the New Testament and the God of like wrath and violence uh, in the old. And to be sure, there are a lot more stories In the hebrew testament of jesus uh, of god being much more proximate to violence (laughs) Mm -hmm. um but those contrasts like you there jesus didn't like come and do some other thing and just kick out judaism like his thought like read through this chapter read through the past few chapters and try to detangle judaism from it you can't you can't and nor nor should you try You'll get so much more out of it. Jesus is so much more three dimensional when you like let him wear the yarmulke. Like he's so much more three dimensional when you try taking that thing off and just make him be like, honestly, like a hippie, mm-hmm. which definitely like caricatured him in that direction before. But it's like he's at least a Jewish hippie. Okay, <laughs> like, <laughs> embrace right, it right. and 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 don't let this weird anti-semitism come in because it's been used to judge and condemn judaism and jews for millennia
1: Mm -hmm. yeah it is not a new sin
0: no so if you want to embrace the full dimensions of jesus uh that means periodically discovering a little bit of like effectively anti-Semitic theology. It doesn't mean you want to create concentration camps. It just means there is a latent anti-Jewish bias that a lot of established Christian theology has built into it. And it's just not, Mm -hmm. it's, it's always the right time to repent. It's always the right time to turn from. It's always the right time to lay down, put aside what is false and embrace what is true. And it just so happens some of that has been grafted into our theology for millennia, which is really uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. But if you, if you read the Bible, (laughs) if you you read Matthew, you can't not do business with the Jewishness of Jesus.
1: Yeah. Or you can, but then you misunderstand it all.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that's a, That's my little sermon I want to end on.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's a good place.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, as always, for your company on this leg of the journey. The easiest way to support Founding Translation is to leave us a rating or review in your podcast player of choice. That makes it easier for more people to find the show. Especially a shout out to y'all who use Apple Podcasts. That is a really big way that more people can find out about this. About 80% of you are listening on that. Please just leave us a rating and let other people know what you're getting out of this. Now, the second best way, totally stoked for this one. If you want to support this show, become a sponsor for as little as five bucks a month. When you do that, you'll get comment access on the Translations Google Doc, so you can engage with both Brandon's and other uh, sponsors and the satisfaction that you are supporting exceptionally nerdy independent media. You can find the link to join the community in the show notes. The music you're listening to is by Kevin McLeod at com. Found in translation by Perry FM on unceded Chinook land. Goodbye, Brandon. Bye, Brandon. Bye everybody.